I'm Jerry McGreer. I'm Chris Mosier. And this is a Monster of the Weeks Presents Seek for the Sword That Was Broken, part one of our coverage of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yes. Chris, how are you today? I'm extremely excited to be talking about. I know. I can tell, Chris. I can tell. My favorite film franchise of all time. You're Uh, you're vibrating through the microphone. I can I can I can feel those vibrations coming through. I, uh, yeah. This is something that we've talked about for you know off and on for a while now, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, just over the last what week or so, we were just like, let's just do it. Let's Let's just just fucking do it. Let's Let's just get it. I mean, it's I mean, Um, it can't be that long. It's only like twelve hours of movies. Uh, It's only about twelve hours of film, which is more than twelve episodes of Supernatural. (laughs) Yes, Um, it is. (laughs) So. you know, uh, hey, Fellowship's got about thirty minutes of credits, and um, we probably won't be doing credits cast. No, uh, although hey, you know, if the patrons want it, <laughs> if um, um, we'll do, we'll release this one. And if the patrons want credits cast, I don't know what that would be, <laughs> but we will, we will endeavor to do something. Uh, yeah. So I said this is part one. Uh, we're covering the first half of the Fellowship of the Ring in this mm-hmm. episode. So all the way this up is... to about the point that um, old elf guy. <laughs> Yeah, it's right. Right, the so if you're just like starting this now and you're like, wait, I want to go watch this. It's right. It's up until the point uh, where the fellowship is formed at the Council of Elrond, and uh, Elrond himself, Hugo Weaving, says the words "Fellowship of the Ring." He says the title of the movie, uh, and that's the halfway point. The reason that we picked that as a halfway point is because it's the halfway point on the extended edition Blu-rays, mm-hmm. and this is the, an important time to say that we are covering the extended editions. Yes, um, much more we chat in the extended edition. Yeah. If you if that's your if that's your game. Oh yeah, dude, these hobbits are baked. Um, <laughs> if if you can't access the extended edition for whatever reason, I'm not sure what the streaming status of of the series is. Um, you're fine to just watch the regular ones, and we'll fill you in. Yeah. On the stuff you missed. We will, uh, I mean, we're not going to go like scene by scene. Like we're not going to tell you each individual thing because I don't know what's, what, what's new. No. It's been so long since I've seen the movies that it's, um, I, I don't know exactly There's... what's new. But if you hear us talking about weed a lot and you don't remember them talking about weed so much, <laughs> that's probably yeah. the thing. These hobbits, you know, they, they be smoking. They, they be um, smoking. There's, certain, there's certain things, especially I think with Two Towers and Return of the King, that I can definitely point out as, okay, this is extended edition because... I uh, I got the DVD around the time for all these like you know around the time that they would come out uh, back in the early two thousands uh, and then for about ten or so years or maybe longer I don't know what time is anymore uh, that's all I had I I never saw the extended editions until I was like twenty uh, and I these came out when I was eleven so um, oh my God, speaking I'm of so that old. so what's old. your history with these movies um so these movies came out when I was twenty one um or probably around then I may not have been twenty one mm-hmm. just yet but roughly around then um. These this was a huge deal. This was a a big deal, and I was trying to think of like the hype for movies that we get nowadays versus the hype for movies that existed back in the day. And in two thousand and one, like it's hard to remember that like broadband internet wasn't like ubiquitous, right? Right. Um. So if you wanted to watch a trailer to something, like you could have conceivably been like connecting to an AOL account and like downloading a trailer painstakingly for like. 50 minutes and then like watching it over and over and over again <laughs> like that's it was that what you were doing that and that is what me and my friends did like i remember mm-hmm. like uh downloading the trailer and going like oh my god this is gonna be so incredible um the scene that was playing on every tv everywhere you would go uh was like the when frodo looks down the road and the ring rates are approaching it does that weird like oh, zoom yeah. effect you saw that everywhere. I re- yeah yeah um it's weird because it, again i was 11 years old so I had not heard of Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. I, I had not read many fantasy novels myself at age 11. Um, I think vaguely in the back of my mind, I had like a new vague, what sort of what it was. 
Uh, but yeah, my dad took me to see it. I had no clue what I was getting myself into. Um, and I absolutely adored it. And then, so that was either fifth or sixth grade for me. And then, so it was like, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, whatever it was. Perfect timing to just get completely swept away with something. Saw this movie, uh, had no idea what was going on, got the books, read the Hobbit Fellowship, all that. And then, um, yeah, I became obsessed for the rest of my life, unfortunately. It's just, you know, every once in a while it just happens and it, and it never leaves you. And Lord of the Rings was one of those things that never left me. So for the books, uh, I remembered at the time I was 21, I had not, when the trailer dropped, when this movie was announced, I had not read the, the trilogy. Um, it was always one of those books that like, uh, I knew I should be reading. I was reading a ton mm. of fantasy back, th- back then. And I think when the first book dropped, um, or excuse me, the first trailer came out, and I was people were getting like so excited about it. I was like, okay, this is the time. I'm going to do the thing. And uh, I'm probably going to get like a lot of mean letters about this, but I thought the trilogy was like reading it was boring as hell. Like I think I was reading mm-hmm. Will of Time at the same time, which is um, you know, a book that's like written 50 years later, 60 years later, however many. Right, and right. it's and it felt much more modern and cool versus Lord of the Rings, which definitely felt like stilted and like why are they singing all the time? Mm-hmm. Why am I reading all this bullshit? Uh revisiting it i still kind of I, I like lord of the rings a lot like the books um but i don't mm-hmm. i don't revisit them as much as i would like revisit the movies i think um right i, I like um, them but i just it's just not like on my regular reread list even as a even as like a, you know a super fan uh i still i still you know struggle through the books and granted i've read them several times in my life but um I go I go through them slowly because they are heavy. They're classics, you know, all classic written literature. Oh yeah, uh, feels like you're dragging a weight along behind you. Um, obviously, I love them, but yeah, and we were a little bit spoiled. Part of me wishes that I could uh, have read the books without having seen the movies and form my own images of everything. Um, but I had seen Fellowship first, so I you know imagine all the characters looking like the actors, and that's fine because I, I just it all fit together wonderfully. Um, but I have really distinct memories of certain things like them meeting Tom Bombadil in the first book, which isn't in the movie. Uh, and I can remember it now as if it was something that happened to me in real life, which is really, really cool. It hasn't happened to me with too many books, but it just formed a distinct memory. And now every time I read it, no matter how many years pass by, uh, I still picture it the exact same way that I did when I was 11. Um, so that's, that's a cool experience. But we're not here to talk about the books. No, we're not. We're, we're talking about the movies. We're here to talk about part one. I want to <laughs> of the Fellowship um, of the Ring. I want to I want to I do want to talk about like we talked I talked a little bit about the trailers but when the movies came out it's really mm. difficult nowadays to 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 feel to like understand what a fucking like shift Lord of the Rings was. It felt like oh, nothing yeah. had come before. Like it felt like it was capturing some magic that like I hadn't seen since maybe Labyrinth or um the the never ending story or something like that like it just seemed like it was bringing a world to a screen in such a way all of the special effects and the shots and everything were just amazing like Gollum who we're, we're not gonna like see a bunch of Gollum in this was like f- a fucking revolutionary CGI yeah. event um all of the height different stuff they did all of the screen compositing stuff they did like it was mind blowing it made you just want to go to the theater over and over just to soak up details and and see it it's- and then. And then on top of that, it's like this really great story that with amazing pacing. Like that's the thing that me and Autumn mm-hmm. kept talking about last night when we were watching it. It's just like it is almost a literal roller coaster ride of like thrills and chills and you know lulls and 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 things that bring it together and you know uh, switch it, switching of perspectives. It's just really fucking great. Like I, it is amazing how well these movies were made to begin with and like how well they hold up fucking twenty two years later. Yeah. It's it's you know they're classics. They're you know it's mm-hmm. it's really remarkable that they that they were made at all. That they were made as well as they were, uh, and that they are still 
uh, enjoyable to watch now. The only thing that I'll say, and we'll get into this as we start, I feel like it's a hard sell. Like the first time that Jess and I watched it, she had never seen it before. Um, and the beginning of the movie, it's like if you tell somebody like, okay, this is Lord of the Rings. Yeah, this Hobbit's okay. Don't, you know, don't worry about that. And then you got like a 15-minute prologue right up front. Oh, dude, I know. <laughs> like a not, and I love it. I absolutely adore it. But if, you've, if you're not interested in the world yet, it can, it can definitely be, be a climb. Uh, and I think most people, by the time that they, you know, get to the halfway point or, you know, they're in. They're it. in. Like, there's um, enough there yeah. to to brag them in. I think the 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 other thing about this movie that's overwhelming is just like the sheer amount of characters and stories that it just throws you into with a, not a lot of like advancement or like explanation. Like all of the stuff with Strider and to Aragon, uh, Aragorn, and all that stuff. Like that just feels like I've missed. Like when you're watching it again, right. you just feel like, oh, did I miss like the Disney Plus series on Aragorn? <laughs> like what? Yeah. I, do, do, I, I, you know, is there an Aragorn think, vision I need to go back and watch? <laughs> I think it is pretty close to a perfect adaptation, and I'm sure Tolkien purists, will, you know, hate that that I just said that. Um, not that any Tolkien purists are probably listening to the Monster of the Week presents Patreon exclusive episode. Probably not. But, um, no, probably um, not. But I, you know, when you think about the the amount of names and terms and explanations for things that are in the book, if you put that, even if you put those characters in the movie, by naming them or explaining them, suddenly the, the movie becomes even more inflated, mm-hmm. even more confusing. But as an 11-year-old, I understood what was happening in that movie. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's very important to adapt a book so that an audience can understand it. And then the more you learn about Lord of the Rings, like, you know, I read the books and then I go back and watch the movies again. And each time it's like, I have learned something new and now I see something different in the movie that I didn't see before. It is all there, but it's presented in such a way that you can understand it and you can enjoy it without having to be a huge fucking nerd. Yeah. You don't necessarily need to know uh, all of Aragorn's stuff. Like you get what you need to know. Like he's a ranger. He's obviously like rejected his, um, heredity or whatever um and and like there's some strife there with the other menfolk or whatever like you don't really need to know all of the backstory just to get to pick up on like the details um and i I have to imagine seeing this as an 11 year old it had to be like fucking life-changing like it had to be like it had to be i I just can't imagine it because i'm like i think jurassic park probably came out when i was 13 um and that was felt like a sea change of movies Mm -hmm. almost um and that's another movie that you can go back and like watch, and the CGI holds up astonishingly well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I feel like this probably, like it probably changed a generation, or it changed multiple generations for years to come mm-hmm. about how they, mm-hmm. what, what they want out of movies, what they look for, what their comfort movies are, all of that stuff. So Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think the only thing I'd ever seen, really, that could compare to, I had seen Jurassic Park, I loved it. Harry Potter was maybe a year or two before, I think. Oh, really? That was really big but harry potter felt like a kids movie like even when we were kids we're like oh this this is a kids movie and i felt like we we outgrew obviously i came back to it you know later in life but at around you know middle school age i was like i'm kind of too cool for harry potter now uh i'm more of a lord of the rings guy uh the biggest twist for me going into lord of the rings was that i didn't know that hobbits were small (laughs) so i'd seen all the trailers and everything you know but i didn't really know what i was watching it was just okay yeah me and my dad go to the movies we'll go we'll go check this out he had read The Hobbit. I think he was vaguely aware of the connection to Lord of the Rings. Um, but we just went to go see the big movie, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then the very first scene where, where Frodo is like standing up um, on, the, on the grass hill looking down at Gandalf. 
I was like, something seems a little strange here. <laughs> What's up? What's up? <laughs> what is this perspective? Finally, what is this perspective yeah, like, happening? Huh. Is he, why is he wearing those weird, over, like, is something mm. strange? Like, I just assumed that he was a really tall guy because that's what you see in movies is yeah. really tall actor men you know mm-hmm. um and i just like did and i think i was already really tall i was i was about five ten five eleven in fifth grade so oh my god i i pretty much peaked like right away and then i grew one more inch for the rest of my life um so yeah i just assumed other people were tall uh and then when they're in you know bilbo's house or whatever i was like what's what they're what <laughs> they're not tall <laughs> um but anywho I also got really scared during some scenes, which is a feeling that I will never experience again. But I can see that. Like if I was if I was eleven, like I got scared watching you know Labyrinth and Never Ending Story and movies like that when I was a kid. Like there was some stuff in like Wizard of Oz that's you know the the fucking blind monkeys and Wizard Rods are kind of creepy. If you're young enough, like to to really get into it and to like get yourself wrapped up in it, you can you can genuinely get scares from this. I had no idea Harry Potter came out a month before the first Lord of the Rings movie. That is was it literally a month? Yeah, it was November two thousand one for Sorcerer's Stone. And then Fellowship of wow. the Ring came out December 19th. It was a month and two weeks. So, um, yeah, I must have been in fifth grade. You know, I was in elementary school. <laughs> I need to ask Autumn. You know, we didn't bring, we didn't bring it up last night, um, but me and her must have, like, gone to see these movies together, and I just don't remember, <laughs> which is a terrible <laughs> thing to say, but I'll... I'll you're have... in your 20s. When you're in your 20s, like, watching a cool movie, it's like, you're just you're watching a cool movie, but when you're 11 watching a cool movie, that's like it's your life, life changing event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to McDonald's and you're picking up every single thing, Lord of the Rings. That, that, oh yeah, that, that's and you know, as I've said a million times, like I I grew up like around woods, so like me and my friends just out in the woods yep. playing mm-hmm. as you know the characters and all that stuff. Of course, we got all the video games, which are like weirdly like decent movie tie-in video yeah. games. <laughs> yeah, at the time for the for the especially for the time, like they are okay to play with your friends. Like yeah. they weren't horrible yeah. games. Um, let's get into it. Uh. Yeah. Why don't you walk us through the this intro, uh, which kind of sets intro, up the world of of the Lord of the Rings. I Middle think Earth. again, you know, if you're not if you're not voluntarily walking into this movie, um, this this I feel like this intro is kind of a lot because they're just like we got to lay down some structure, we got to do this. We start off uh, start off with voiceover on a, on a black screen of uh, it's the voice of Galadriel who we won't meet for a long time, uh, but she says. Uh, the world has changed. I feel it in the water. I feel it in the earth. I feel it in the air. Much that was once lost, um, or m- much that was, is now lost. For there, for none now live who remember it. Um, so she's just talking about a bunch of shit, about as clear as the way that I just did. <laughs> and we're like, okay, what's going on here? And then, dude, the more times that I watch it, they hit you with the title card of The Lord of the Rings, and the music starts, and it now it feels like an anvil dropping. I'm like, this intro goes hard as fuck it oh, absolutely dude, doesn't go hard but it feels that <laughs> way it though. feels like it, it, it really feels that way that's the other thing that i think like watching this movie like it's been it's such a cultural touchstone for the last 20 years that like there's moments in this movie that have been memed to death and that like you just like if someone is in the room with you watching it like you look at them when it happens mm-hmm. like it's the movie mm-hmm. has taken on kind of a different interpretation <laughs> well, yeah we were watching two towers the other night and there's a part where one of the orcs just says, looks like meat's back on the menu, just boys. like meat's back on the and menu, I, boys. I never want to be one of those people who's like quoting the movie as it's happening. Yep. Lord of the Rings, I can't help myself. Mm-hmm. And when that line came up, for some reason, I just fucking screamed it. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just belted, looks like meat's back on the menu. <laughs> for I, no reason. <laughs> I will say what this what this prologue does is sets up the world really, really well. Like immediately we know we've got elves, dwarves, and the men folks. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then they show us like the bad guys and then immediately cut to probably one of the most impressive fight scenes that we've seen, which is going to be a drop in the bucket for this franchise. Like this is like, this feels huge already in the first couple of minutes of the movie. And then with that, you don't even know, like you don't even understand what is coming in the future. Um, and there's just, so yeah, we, we established this guy named Sauron, the dark Lord, you know, we don't even, we don't even know that much about Sauron throughout the entire movies. Um, but that's not important. He's the evil big bad guy, right? And he created uh, or had created um, rings of power. He gave three to the elves, seven to the dwarves, and nine uh, to men. And then he created, of course, the one ring for himself. And what the one ring does is give him power and influence over all of these other people. He gave them the rings and he's like, okay, if you wear that ring, it'll give you a little power. But secretly, I can control you now. So he spread his influence. He spread his power uh, until finally... The races of the world were like, okay, we this shit's going on. We we got a band together, the men of Gondor and the elves all team up and they go to war with Sauron. And this this battle scene when the orcs charge into our our allied forces, um, and you do the, the elves do that like sword flip one after the other. Like mm-hmm. I, that is the one of the coolest fucking things that I've ever seen in my entire Love life. It. Um Love it. and then it just goes on. Like there's a tons of fighting. It's all like really clear and easy. It feels chaotic at the same time. Like it's just really, a, just adeptly filmed and and captured, and you're just in the moment. Um, and then of course, like Sauron shows up on the field, and yeah. everybody else has been fighting for their lives, and this motherfucker is over there playing Dynasty Warriors. Like he's got no fucks. Yeah. <laughs> he's just shoving he's, them back. He's by the, swinging by the his dozens. big mace left and right, yeah. sending people flying. Um, which I think you know, as a kid, I always thought, okay, does the does the ring just make him super strong? But you know, it's it's. I guess it's you know more vague than that but yeah this is a very powerful dude he's swiping elves left and right uh and then as the battle goes on we see uh the king of gondor is is killed and his son the prince uh isildur he picks up his father's sword uh his broken sword narsil and with it he is able to cut off sauron's hand or cut off his fingers and when he cuts off his fingers the ring falls off and then sauron is is defeated and his entire army goes away um, so we get to see this in- extremely imposing, powerful force laid low by just this one little thing. The ring, this tiny little thing, was the source of all of his power. Once he drops it, that's it. That's it. He disappears. Um, and then Isildur takes the ring. And instead of destroying it, the narration tells us that instead of destroying it like he should have, Isildur keeps the ring for himself uh, and tries to use it. But it, ultimately, it betrays him. He's killed. We see a scene of him, him being like ambushed in the road by orcs or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets killed. He floats off down the river, dead, uh, and he drops the ring in the river um, until I think and, then and we, it's like two thousand five hundred years pass. Yeah, two thousand years, and then of course uh, Golem comes along and picks it up. We're also learning yeah. via the narration uh, that the the ring is not just like an inert object. Like the 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 ring has a will of its own. It wants yes. to be reunited with its master. Um, it wants to exert control, so you know it kind of it kind of manipulates the local sphere for chaos and for advantage to to mm-hmm. to, to make it get to where it wants to be. Um, we see Golem pick it up. Um, I like. There's gonna be several times where I'm just like, I can't believe they put this shot together. Like um, the scene mm-hmm. where Golem, and this is the again, first ten minutes of the movie, where he's like, you know, doing the my precious thing in the cave uh, with the blue light. Uh, the way that shot is framed and is just and lit <laughs> and everything like it's so good. Holy so good. shit. Like, I mean, I, I know it's dumb and kind of trite to talk about how great this movie looks, but 
you know, it's 21 years old at this point. Like mm-hmm. it's or there you know, is, 20 years you know, old at this point. People who love this movie, of course, you know, they watch the behind the scenes stuff and, you know, they look at the tricks that were used to to make the the different size proportions and stuff. I almost like don't even want to talk about it because if you're listening to this and you love these movies and you've never seen uh, how it was made, it's almost better to like not know about it. It doesn't ruin it at all. I just like I cannot believe when I look at it. It's just it's it's still so real. Yeah. Like I have a hard time not thinking that Elijah Wood is a tiny little man next to Ian McKellen being a giant wizard person. Um, I like, will say it's just it's so real and so convincing. On a on a just on a technical perspective too, uh, I'm watching this on like 4K HDR rips on a relatively nice HDR TV. Um, and boy, if you want to showcase your TV to somebody, like right. it, it toss on like the first 30 minutes of Lord of the Rings because between the the scene uh, between the fight scene and then the all of the stuff in the um, in the Shire just is literally like I could have put on sunglasses because the TV was so fucking bright right. and colorful like right. it was amazing. Um, um, yeah. So okay. So Sauron was defeated. Uh, the, the ring was lost for two thousand five hundred years, mm-hmm. roughly. Gollum then finds it. He has it for another five hundred years until the ring decides it wants to move along now, uh, and then Bilbo finds it. Uh, so. In that 3,000-year window, Sauron kind of very slowly started to regain his power. He was never killed. It, he just sort of went to, like, the shadow realm, <laughs> the spirit world, whatever. But he couldn't physically manifest in, in Middle-earth again um, until, you know, he's slowly, slowly coming back. His influence is slowly growing again. Um, and, and now the ring is kind of waking up. So at this point, Bilbo takes over the narration and begins to describe the Shire. Uh, one of the first things that he says is that um, we're in the time of the Third Age. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have in my notes in great big letters, part of this podcast idea was uh, Jeremy and Autumn ask questions to the lore master, Chris, Chris Mosier. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can you explain a little bit about ages and then maybe even mention like where this Amazon show that's coming out soon is going to be set in compared to this, just for people's... So- I wish I knew more about the specifics of the age. I know that, so for example, the fourth age begins at the end of this trilogy, where, and I think it is sort of like a turning of the tide of like a great event occurs, and then a new age begins. Um, the I want I think the Amazon series is set in the second age, which is like maybe five thousand years before the events of the movie, something like that. Um, yeah, that's about all I got on ages, but yeah, it's okay. usually some, some, you know, big event occurs, the age shifts, it's a new, the new time of, of man has come to prominence in the world rather than the elves being the prominent race. Um, and we get a lot of that throughout this is that the elves are kind of leaving Middle Earth behind and the time of man has come in this third age. Uh, but now we are sort of in the twilight years of the third age and things have not been going super well for men. Which also, they're humans, but we call them men. Yes. So men refers to men and women. Also, um, throughout this, like as as we were watching it, like me and Autumn just kept looking at, looking at each other, going, "Ugh, men." <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> because like even in, that can go on like a just a high metaphysical level or just a low like, "Oh, this bar sucks" kind of level. Like we'll and we'll talk yeah, about yeah, it yeah. As, as we go through it. Um, but in the meantime, we're gonna learn about some hobbitses. Uh, Bilbo is describing kind of what hobbits are, what they like to eat, what they like to do, how they kind of are removed they love from to eat, society. They love to drink and they love to get high. They love to smoke pipe weed. Uh, I, I would absolutely move to the Shire immediately if they had like, mm-hmm. I mean, 
I, I know I'd be a little tall for everybody, but like, sure, I'm, sure, I'm, sure. I could be chill. Like, I can hunch. It's all good. Yeah, dude. Um, can, yeah, no big deal. They hang out outside a lot, so that's not a problem. This is uh, just delightful. Like, it's yeah, it's almost on like the line of being um, like just a, like too kitty, but it's mm-hmm. not. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's, it just somehow works. Yeah, the moment that you think like, oh, they're just telling me about the fucking Smurfs is like, I don't know. Like, you you can see them like drinking beer and having fun, and like. All of just the really tiny details that went into creating all of this stuff is just mm-hmm. amazing. Like you just you can literally like I felt like I was there. Like it's it's awesome. It's, it's incredible, and it establishes a home, I guess, for the for the beginning of this movie. It's why I, I probably like Fellowship the most. I don't necessarily think it's the best movie, but you know it establishes that beginning, that sense of home, that sense of place so well that. It's just really enjoyable to go back in and rewatch it and like, oh, I'm back at the Shire again. Everything feels good. It's before you set off on this horrible journey that's going to take a year of your life. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we, we set, establish everything. It's just a peace-loving, uh, high-as-fuck, loving group mm-hmm. of small little Hobbit people. Yeah, um, and they are going to set up for Bilbo's uh, 11 and one, eleventy and first birthday. He's turning 111. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, meanwhile... We're gonna ha- go over to uh, Frodo, yes, uh, who um, is telling, who is meeting up with Gandalf. Our first introduction yeah. to the wizard. Uh, did you, as an eleven-year-old, you had no, you had no idea what was coming in this movie, right? Like outside, no of, idea, okay. no idea. So you didn't like because Gandalf was always like it was like a pop culture thing. Like I'd, I'd read, the, I had read The Hobbit, so like I knew who Gandalf yeah, was. Yeah. And then there was like the animated movie The Hobbit, which so I think a lot of people saw that growing mm-hmm. up. So like as soon as Gandalf showed up, I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, <laughs> we're getting yeah. into some stuff. Yeah. And he's looking, you know, he's he's in it, dude. He's got the gray cloak on, the big mm-hmm. wizard hat. He's mm-hmm. the, he, the iconic wizard, you know. Yes. Um, Dumbledore absolutely. wishes he could, you know, he wishes he could. Um, yeah. Uh, also, uh, he's got a, a just a, a horrendously large prosthetic nose in this and i just for whatever reason this was the run that i could not stop staring at the nose like it's, it's i veiny. didn't know that he wore a prosthetic nose. He's, it's got honestly. oh god i hope it is otherwise i mean i'm just really insulting <laughs> ian mckellen who i think is just a, a extremely <laughs> handsome man without a giant yeah. oh no chris oh no he's not he's not wearing a prosthetic <laughs> he, he, nose. he may not i can't tell in this picture i don't know <laughs> I don't know. It's tough with Gandalf. You just, I guess you just hate his nose. It is what it is. But yeah, Gandalf rolls in. He's on his little, you know, horse and cart. And um, Frodo was off sitting in the woods reading a book under a tree. The one final moment of peace in Frodo's life, though he does not know it. Um, And he he runs over because he hears Gandalf singing. He runs over to greet him. Uh, He accuses him of being late. Gandalf has this, you know, almost uh, severe kind of gruff exterior at first. And they look at each other and they both burst out laughing. And Frodo jumps down and hugs him. Um, and you realize Gandalf is a friend of the Hobbits. Uh, as Gandalf the Grey, there's this different categories of wizards. Uh, the Grey, as far as I'm aware, I think that title means that he is like, he works on like communicating with the races of the world. Yeah. Um, he's, he's like HR. Like he goes around to all the places. He's friends with everybody. Um, he knows everybody. And that's why he's so interested in the Hobbits because he's like, you know, they never have really played a part in history before, but there are these people here, and I know they're capable of great things. Um, so, yeah, that's his, that's his deal. The, the gray works on, on, um, <laughs> on relations between people. Uh, the white, I think specifically, it's like the white is supposed to fight face off against Sauron, or rather, Sauron. <laughs> so yes. Sauron, the they were white, supposed to fight against the dark. Be... Yeah, that's what yeah. I remember from the and books. And then there is there's there's a, a Radagast there's a... the Brown. 
Yeah. He's like the he's like a druid, you know, he's like the forest wizard. He communicates with animals and stuff like that. Then there's the blue. I don't really know what they're up to. I thought the blue was the animal, but no, you're right. That's the brown. Um man, what was the blue? I don't maybe I don't they, know. It doesn't matter because we don't they, we don't we don't They meet. just do like they do typical wizard shit. Yeah. Let's just say that. Uh <laughs> they um we we only meet a couple of wizards in this in this movie, especially for this part of the uh, of the show. So, yeah. really, all you need to know about Gandalf is like he's super laid back, he's chill, he's friendly with the hobbits, um, and he's he's coming over here to visit Bilbo, who's his old friend from the movie The Hobbit and also the book. Um, yeah. As Gandalf comes in, uh, Frodo explains that he's known as a bit of a troublemaker around these parts for mm-hmm. taking Bilbo off on adventures, uh, and people start giving him the evil eye as they as he as he drives by. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, the the Hobbit kids don't care about this. All they want are sweet, sweet fireworks. And uh, yes. the wizard pretends like he's not going to set off the fireworks. And then Chris, he does. He does. He's just like everybody's lovable grandpa. Mm-hmm. Like, just how can you, you love you love Gandalf? Even like the old uh, crotchety uh, older Hobbit who, who we pass by, even he starts laughing. Although his his wife doesn't appreciate it very much. Um, but yeah, they love this guy. Everybody loves this guy. Um, as they're riding up towards Bilbo's house, uh, we learn through through Frodo. Frodo kind of suspects something is like is up with Bilbo. He's been acting a little bit differently recently, mm-hmm. um, but there's no real reason to suspect anything yet. Although I do think that we see a scene around here where he's looking at maps of, and he's trying to like find the ring where the ring has exerted yeah. some control over him. Yeah, we definitely see that. Yeah, he. So mm-hmm. yeah, he he starts to. This is the first indication of oh something's up. We don't even know that he has the ring yet, but he starts panicking when he thinks he can't find it. Yeah. Um. So anywho, Gandalf rolls up to Bilbo's, uh, knocks on the door. Um. He's finally in, invited in. This and, is um, this is know. when Autumn noted that all of the hobbits are wearing capris constantly. Yeah. Yeah, which well, is, I mean, know. they only kind of feet. I mean, I guess <laughs> if you have feet that big, like, how do they get the pants over that feet though? Like, it's got to be a ch- well. That's why a capris. You know, why, I guess you give them a little capris. extra yeah. to wiggle room at the end there, mm-hmm. um, to you know, to poke them out. Um, but yeah, but, uh, Gandalf goes in. They're reunited. They're old friends. You know, they allude to the adventures of the Hobbit a few times where they, um, uh, he took Bilbo and the dwarves and they went into the mountain and fought the dragon and got their treasure and. Along the way, a lot of other stuff happened, and uh, Bilbo found the One Ring. Though we don't yet know that it's the One Ring. Although Gandalf slowly starts to be like, "Hmm." <laughs> Gandalf. Something. Gandalf gives incredible Clue Master energy throughout this. By the way, <laughs> from the from this point on, when he sees Bilbo acting weird about the ring until he actually figures it out what it is, it's incredible Clue Master energy, my man. Like it's, yeah. it's yeah. so funny. It's so funny. Um. This is the first time that you really get, like, you saw this a little bit with Frodo and Gandalf, but uh, when Gandalf enters um, Bilbo's house, it's, you know, it's it's made for hobbits. It's not made for tall wizards. And, like, this, the way that they did all of this just feels like absolute fucking movie magic. Like, the height differential yeah. stuff. Gandalf is constantly, like, bumping his head on things. He's just too big for the environment. Meanwhile, like, Bilbo is just off doing whatever, trying to find food or tea. And it's just very, like, it just felt, like fantastical which is what it is mm-hmm. and it, i mean it's, it's just you don't you don't see it you know? yeah, they, yeah there's some scenes where they're using body doubles which they use a lot there are some scenes where they're using green screen there are some scenes where they are using like a forced perspective type thing where mm-hmm. you know one end of the table is way bigger than the other end of the table but they set the camera in such a way that you can't tell that they're sitting far apart from each other it's it's ma- it's literal movie magic yes it's absolutely <laughs> Um, Bilbo's super stressed about his relatives trying to take his house. They're they're mad that he has lived this long. Um, uh, (laughs) and this that we find out that Bilbo has something planned for his birthday, and it's something that, Mm -hmm. as Gandalf alludes to, he's not told Frodo yet. Um, and Bilbo kind of like like wistfully talks about Frodo being in love with the Shire, 
Um, and but he's just kind of worn out. In fact, he's worn thin. Mm-hmm. He feels like he's stretched thin. Uh, Butter as a scraped over too much bread. Yeah. Uh, and as he's doing this, he's like kind of ho- touching the pocket that that ring is in, which of course does not escape the notice of Gandalf whatsoever. Gandalf Gandalf notices. Clue Master. Gandalf. Yeah, no, no, he he Clue Master knows. He came for a birthday party, but he immediately became a detective. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, Bilbo says he he wants to leave on a very long holiday and and probably never come back. Uh, then we get to just you know cut to a seam of them chilling, relaxing, no drama, no stress, just getting a little high, blowing smoke rings, um, and this is just beautiful shot them sitting out at sunset uh, in the Shire, just um, just hanging out, being boys, just being boys together, just blowing some rings. Uh, and then a little bit later, it's time to party. Uh, it's, time to party. Sun has gone down, lights have come up. We have huge fireworks. We have dancing, and the time of COVID. Chris, this just looked so amazing. It, I was like, oh my it, God. It, imagine, imagine just going to something like this. Oh, all, you, of, all your friends are there, you know. It's all of Louisiana beautiful. is doing Mardi Gras right now as if there is not a fucking pandemic happening. And it drives me nuts because I'm, all I see on my Facebook are friends that are mm-hmm. dressed up in the Mardi Gras clothes, being doing Mardi Gras stuff, which is some of the funnest stuff to do in the world. And I'm like, I don't, oh, I want to go to there. I want to go to there yep. immediately. Yep. Um, but we're not so no and and uh so they use this party to establish you know just the vibe mm-hmm. of of the shire you know they love to party uh and here we're introduced a little bit more frodo he's sitting with sam he encourages uh sam to go and dance with rosie cotton um and just like you can get a sense of community and friendship between all these people um sam is frodo's gardener um yes <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. uh i think it's he's sort of like his manservant like he works for frodo i think um in the books um but here i i, I think they portray their relationship as being a little bit more even um but yeah and then we shortly after this we meet mary and pippin who are mischief makers and they're they're seen stealing some fireworks from the back of gandalf's cart uh and they're you know they're about to cause some trouble somewhere in here we See, you know, Bilbo, he's shaking hands with people. He's telling stories about his adventures. Um, and then the Sackville Bagginses show up. And these are the people who are, like, trying to get his house from him. <laughs> um, and so he kind of, like, you know, he runs and hides so that they won't find him. And he pulls Frodo aside in this moment. Um, and he talks about how Frodo's parents died when he was very young. And he adopted Frodo. And he says it's not because, like, out of any, like, pity or out of any kindness for him. He just thought that Frodo was the only... Baggins with any real like grit to him, with any you know, with a real spirit to him. He just he just liked the kid. He probably reminded him of himself when he was young. So he adopted him, made him his heir. Um, so everything would be left to Frodo. And uh, notably, Bilbo does not tell Frodo that he is going to be leaving at the end of all of this. Like he doesn't he does not let slip that. He doesn't tell him that he's about to pull an epic prank. <laughs> um. uh, meanwhile, Merry and Pippin uh, set off the dragon firework, uh, and it makes all the hobbits think that there's an actual dragon coming after them, uh, which of course is you know especially uh, nerve wracking for Bilbo, who has experience with an actual dragon. Uh, but it's just. You know, a cool ass firework, and this still looks like incredibly amazing today. The hobbits are mm-hmm. are super impressed with all of this stuff. I um, there's a guy. One time for Fourth of July, we went out to the camp, and like there there was I don't know the situation, but like at the camp, like we all got on on our boats and we all went to one spot on the lake, and then like it was some super rich family that had hired like a professional fireworks guy <laughs> or whatever. And I imagine like hanging out with Gandalf is like the the hookup on that stuff. Like, oh yeah, none of the other hobbits in the in Middle Earth are like get the Gandalf treatment, right? Like, no, this no, is no. only for the Shire. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, they don't even they don't have TV. So yeah, fireworks. This, this is a pretty this, big deal. This is going to be a big deal. 
Even the dogs think it's cool. Dogs in real life, they hate fireworks. Dogs in the Shire? Oh my God. First of all, they're they're a little high. They have dog poop. Um, yeah. Dogs are not afraid of some pipe weed. Let me tell you that right now. Gandalf catches Barry and Pippin and sets yes, them to washing yes. dishes. And then it's time for Bilbo to give a speech. Um, and this starts off like really, really fun and kind of rabble rousing. Doing some crowd work and naming all of the all of the clans of the hobbitses mm-hmm. that are around, um, and then he kind of gets to the end of his speech and he he starts sweating. You can see he's kind of fingering the ring, um, and he says, "And you know what? This is there's the going to be just FYI, mm-hmm. you know, uh, content warning. There's going to be a lot of fingering in this in this film. A lot of finger. I've already said the word fingering too much on this podcast. I can already tell. So uh, he puts the ring on Chris, and then he disappears. He turns invisible. Yeah. This is a prank, dude. This is, uh, first of all, it's a high stakes prank, yes. but it's a prank nonetheless. Absolutely. Um, and then we see, we kind of follow the trail um, of his footsteps, although we can't see him as he runs away from the party, goes up his, his walkway and into his house. Uh, and then he pops his ring off and he reappears. So now we know he's put this ring on and it has made him invisible. Uh, and he is so pleased with himself. He, he thought that that so was, happy. in fact, an epic prank. I think in the book, Frodo was in on it. Not that that really matters, um, mm-hmm. but here he's a little bit more secretive about it. This is just this, this is his. This is for him. It does matter a little bit because, like, I feel for Frodo who is just having a great party, and then he watches his uncle disappear, and then he just inherits a bunch of money, and he's like, D- "So did he die? Like, <laughs> what did he? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, do I do I mourn him now, or is he just not want to hang out with me? Like, this seems really like I would write a letter to him every once in a while. Like, yeah. Did he leave a forwarding address? Like, it's just it's really mean to do to Frodo specifically. <laughs> what the hell, Bill? Though, yeah. <laughs> Um, Bilbo thinks he's all alone as he starts to gather up all of his stuff, but of course Gandalf is there, uh, and we get kind of this um, long exchange about the ring, about him leaving the ring behind. Yeah. He, he goes into the my precious uh, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, Bilbo starts getting a little weird. You know, Gandalf shows a little bit of concern about all this because you know there's not that many magic rings out there, and you know none of them are good. So yeah, just whatever you're playing bad. with. Be- <laughs> Be careful. And then when he when Bilbo starts getting really possessive about it and he calls, you know, why shouldn't I keep it? It's my precious. Uh get that, you know, really triggers a memory for Gandalf and he says, you know, you're not the first person to call it that. Um and we've been treated to a little bit of a little preview of Gollum, so we know that the ring has this weird possessive hold on people. Um and, so, and Bilbo like kind of lashes out at Gandalf, and Gandalf mm. is like, "Look, we're friends, but I will summon the darkness in this house on you right fucking now." Yes, yes, uh, yes. And, and he pers- literally does, and he, yeah. he builds up this big magical presence, and he shouts down at him uh, before finally calming back down, and he tells Bilbo, "I'm not trying to rob you; I'm trying to help you. Like yes. this, this ring is not good for you, and I think you need to leave it behind." Um, and he agrees to leave it behind at some point in this exchange. I don't know where it is. Um, he agrees to leave the ring behind and then he goes to set out off the, out the door and Gandalf had to be like, Hey, Bilbo still in your pocket. And he finally reluctantly is able to drop the ring yes. uh, and it thuds to the ground with, with great impact. Um, and this is, you know, our first clue really. Um, we, we've seen a whole lot of this ring in out of context sort of. Um, and here we're seeing a very nice man with a great big party and lots of loved ones and friends who is already being corrupted by the evil of this thing. So we know it's a big deal. Yes. Uh, when After Bilbo leaves, Gandalf kind of leans down and just barely touches the ring. And when he does, we see an eye, a threatening eye. Mm-hmm. I don't think we need to go into that just yet. Uh, we'll, we'll go into what the eye is later on when we actually get told what the eye is. Um, but Gandalf realizes, like, oh, that's a bad eye. That's a bad sign. Yeah. 
Um, and he proceeds to just sit down and smoke some weed and, and in front of the fire <laughs> until Frodo gonna gets do there. A, do a big ponder. He's yeah. gonna take a sec, just do a do a big old ponder, and then Frodo comes home. He's still, you know, he's a little shell shocked by Bilbo pulling a prank. And I imagine that even though like the entire town was there. I imagine that somehow Frodo got left behind to clean up. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. He's just going around picking up red solo cups, throwing them in the trash. Perfect, like, absolutely, yes. And then he finally gets home, uh, and he walks in, and you know the house is dark, the wind's blowing everything everywhere, uh, and he sees, uh, he just sees the Bilbo's ring on the ground. And he picks it up, and he doesn't really know uh, what's going on. And we see like Gandalf like pondering the fire. Um, Gandalf is like kind of lays out like, "Hey, Bilbo's gone, not dead." Uh, just, but just all of the shit that you see around you is, is yours now. Um, here, put this ring in this envelope, seal it up. And then he like, he's like, Hey, keep it secret. Keep it safe. And I'm like, if a wizard ever told me that, I, I don't know what I would do with myself. I would, it yeah, would be yeah. so anxiety inducing that I would have to just flee my, my body and leave it behind. Um, um and also yeah. from the other direction, like if I was a wizard, uh, keep it secret, keep it safe. I would say that every time I left the party, like, <laughs> like that would be my sign offline. I would find somebody, be like, hand them my solo cup, and be like, keep it secret, keep it safe. <laughs> you have to say something cryptic and then disappear for seventeen right? years. Yeah, uh, that's the wizard shit. Because that, that's what Gandalf does here. Um, he leaves. He tell you know very carefully. He also doesn't touch the ring. He holds up the envelope for Frodo to drop it in the envelope. Uh, and then the next thing we see is not that Gandalf leaving, although he does leave here. Uh, the next thing we see is the the fortress of Barad-dûr, uh, and it's this great, you know, it's it's a bad guy house. It's a big bad guy house, uh, and we hear some some torturous stuff going in. Uh, Gollum is being tortured here. He has been captured by the enemy. Uh, we haven't really, again, we haven't seen too much of Gollum yet, but he has been captured by the enemy. He has been tortured, uh, and he they get two words out of him: Shire and Baggins. They're looking for the ring. They knew that Gollum had it. He lost it to Bilbo. They did a little game of riddles back in The Hobbit. Um, so he is aware of where the, the ring would have gone to. Uh, so Shire, Baggins, those are the two words that we get out of Gollum. So now the enemy knows where they can start their search, and that's very bad news. And we see uh, uh, on... riders leaving the fortress, and we'll learn a yes. lot more about these riders here in a, here in a bit. Uh, but in the meantime, Gandalf has to uh, go consult with other wizards, and on the way sees, like, the the, sh- the the Mount Doom in the distance, like going fucking yes. nuts. So hits up yeah, the local uh, library and he checks the lore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gandalf rides to this is actually Gondor, Minas Tirith, uh, which we will not see for a very long time in these movies. Um, he's gone for a little while. I don't know if it's in the movies. I think I would say probably a couple months time frame is yeah. what we're looking at mm-hmm. here. Uh, in in the book, it's seventeen years that Gandalf is gone, uh, and Frodo's just like, all right, I'm gonna chill in the Shire. <laughs> I haven't heard from Gandalf in a while. Yeah, um, just gonna hang out. In those seventeen years, um, really, I think the only thing that's exciting that I wish was in this is uh, Gandalf and Aragorn team up to try and find Gollum because they realize the only other person besides Bilbo who would know about the ring is Gollum. <laughs> so they try to find him, but the enemy gets him first. They torture him. Shire Baggins. Here we are. We're all caught up. Um, but yeah, uh, Gandalf goes to Gondor, goes through the archives, and he starts looking at the history of the ring we learn a little bit more um but all as that's happening as our powerful protector wizard is learning information that he's going to need um we see one of these dark riders approaching hobbiton and he um you know he questions somebody and and is sent off on his way closer and closer to um frodo yes um 
I have a, and then immediately just cut to them chilling at the bar, yes. singing their Green Dragon drinking song. Um, we, we got Mary and Pippin and Frodo. They're having a, they're having a laugh. Real quick, they're having a laugh. They're... Real quick, I have a question for you. Um, this is one of our capital capital letter questions that me and Autumn came up with last night. So they they very specifically show Gandalf on a brown horse. Mm. Um, Autumn was curious if any of the horses have like. Are, are any of them quote unquote named horses? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because and we're wondering that because like obviously like if you have Gandalf the Grey, like he should probably be like just from aesthetics reasons be riding a white mm-hmm. horse. But now he's riding a brown horse, which you know nothing wrong with the brown horse. Not saying that, but just I was right, right, curious right. if there were you know proper noun horses in here. Yes. Uh, spoilers. Uh, Gandalf ends up with Shadowfax, who is the Lord of Horses. Um, you know the horse of all horses. He he's that guy. Um, I don't know what Shadowfax means. I mean, he's pure white, so I assume it has something to do with the opposite of shadow, the facts part of the word. I'm not a linguist. Um, but yes, he does get the named horse. Um, there's a few other named horses, I think, because when you go to to Rohan, they're called the Horse Lords, because that's kind of their whole thing, is that they breed the best, strongest mm-hmm. horses in the world. Um, but we also have Bill the Pony. Bill the Pony is Sam's horse that he, you know, trugs along with okay. him. So, okay. uh, shout out to Bill the Pony. Shout you know, out to he, Bill the Pony. He, he he deserves some respect. And Bill the Pony, um, he makes it to the end of the series. We don't get to see him, but he makes it to the end of the series. Who was uh? Who was whose horse was Shadowfax again? Uh, uh Gandalf. 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 Okay. Will, will he he goes he gets to? I think Autumn made a joke about it being named Shadowfax, and like I I don't, I don't think that she knew that it was actually from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Like I think she just yes. knew that was a famous horse, but didn't <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. didn't connect the dots or anything. That's so. um yeah, that's that's Gandalf's horse. Um, or I mean, it's his companion. I think there's a whole thing about how there's no like ownership over this horse. He yeah, just yeah, 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 Allows yeah. Gandalf to ride him. But yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves. That's movie two. Sorry. That's like part three of these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we go to the bar, everybody's singing, everybody's gossiping. Um, a lot of this felt like extra footage that I'd never seen before of like just yeah. talking about random stuff and qu- uh, random stuff throughout the Sam's got a got a crush on, on Rosie, Rosie the yep. uh, bartender. And um, um yeah, it's just general good times. Although there is a conversation between some of the older hobbits uh about how there's been some, you know, strange folks seen in the area recently. Um, some suspicious looking individuals. They're mm-hmm. just being racist. Um and they call Bilbo crazy or whatever, but Fredo's like, hey, well, if he's crazy, I'm crazy too. Hey, we're all having a good time. Even, um, you know, as much as there might be dark rumors filtering into to the Shire, um, everybody's still just carefree and really never imagining that anything bad is going to happen to them. How many bars are in the Shire, conservatively? I would say there's got to be quite a few. I mean, the Green Dragon here is packed. The Green Dragon um, is packed. I feel like there's probably room for like a different vibe bar too. Like it's you got your mm-hmm. sad hobbits on the on the on the like the the West End or something. But this is like yeah. obviously the I imagine you know spot. there's probably one where um you know that you can go and you can sip a, a beer and play some chess. Yeah, you know a, a more quiet quiet place bar like mm-hmm. that. Um, because peace comes in all forms. It isn't just partying. It's also relaxing. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I would I would say there's definitely there's definitely more than one. Sometimes sometimes the pipe weed gets the feet on the floor. Sometimes the pipe weed mm-hmm. you know just makes you want to relax a little bit. Just soak That's soak right. some ambiance right. in. Um, I, I think there's a bunch of bars. Uh, Frodo and Sam stumble home. Uh, they kind of split at Frodo's house. Uh, when he comes in, he sees that the window is open. Wind's blowing in. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And he is surprised by Gandalf, who immediately asks for the ring. Uh, grabs the envelopes, throws it in the tr- in the fire. Jeremy, what does Gandalf ask him when he gets there? Is it secret? Is it safe? Uh, there you go. I knew. You, I knew. Extremely, you knew. <laughs> extremely great opener line from for a wizard yeah. of any type. Um, 
he throws this ring in a fire and then uses like a pair of tongs to like pick it up and then like holds it out to Frodo and he's like, don't worry, it's cool. And Frodo gives it's him a look, cool. look, uh, Frodo gives him a look like, well then why are you using the tongs? <laughs> like, yeah. why do like I gotta do that's it? Kind of, yeah. um, and obviously it's um, because he doesn't want to physically touch the ring, right? Like he doesn't yeah, want to have anything. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's dreading the fact when he's asking uh, Frodo, like, you know, do you see any writing? And, uh, at first there's nothing there and then it slowly but surely appears uh and then yeah it's it's the one ring this confirms it this is the script of of mordor and it's like a bastardized version of elvish because uh sauron in all things uh is a poser and is a wannabe and he um just everything he does is derivative of something else that somebody better than him did uh so sauron wanted to create his own language so it's just this bastardized version of of Sindarian, Elvish, whatever. Um, but because it's got it's the evil language, um, Gandalf refuses to speak it, uh, and that's where he says, like, okay, yeah, the the inscription on the ring is just like a cute little poem. Um, you know, one ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all, and in the darkness bind them. You gotta love that. Uh, yeah. So this is uh they this ring was forged in the fires of Mount Doom. Doom by Sauron himself. This is the only one I think that he himself actually made. The other rings were made by Caliburnmore. Hey, I don't know. Don't call me on that. Spo- spoilers uh, for that new Amazon show. That's what I'm expecting to yeah, see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yes. So, yeah. He uh, 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 says the poem. He says the little poem. Um, he also tells, uh, he, we also get kind of a lore dump on the ring. Like it's connected with the spirit of Sauron. As long as the ring is continuing to, is, is able to survive, the spirit of Sauron will be able to survive. Mm-hmm. They're, they're mm-hmm. bonded. They're one in the same. Um, yeah. Frodo is like, Oh, bet I got this. Like, we'll just fucking hide it. Like I'll put it up in the closet. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately Gandalf is like, no, no, no. We've, somebody's already told them where to find it. And, and then and realizes I, like, if they had, if they had caught Gollum before the enemy did. This might have been fine. <laughs> okay, yeah, this would totally like, fine. Like this would this nobody would unsuspecting nobody right, would have right. ever looked in the Shire, dude. Like nobody. It's been in the Shire for sixty years and nobody ever noticed it. And if um, they did, like, like even if you sent like some enemies to the Shire, like you would have to murder your way through the entire town, like Sola Sam did, to, to be able to find the yeah, yeah. find this damn thing. And even then, there's no guarantee that you would find it. Um, <laughs> the delivery on when Frodo looks at uh, Gandalf and is like. <gasps> But that would lead them here. The line delivery yeah. on that is very hilarious. Uh, yeah. Frodo tries to give the ring to Gandalf, and of course, uh, and Gandalf is like, "Absolutely not! No, that shit gets me twisted beyond belief. Like, I don't drink mm-hmm. tequila. I don't put on the One Ring. Like, those are my two rules about right. life. Those are my two rules. I've been telling you every time I came to visit. Yep. Frodo's like, "Yeah, no, I. You know, it seems like the tequila <laughs> thing came up m- more than the other part. But I do remember you saying that. <laughs> yeah." <laughs> All you, all you really said is that the, the tequila doesn't make you afraid of the police anymore. So I think that the, I didn't even know what, what police was. I thought that was like maybe a like a like some sort of some sort of animal or something. I don't know what yeah, that is. But you're well traveled, so I don't question it. Yeah, Gandalf. You, you um, say a lot of weird shit, Gandalf. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Gandalf is, is is afraid to use the ring because he is so powerful. And Gandalf, he's he's not shy about how powerful he is. <laughs> no, um, not at all. But but he does know that if he had that ring, he would have a desire to do good with it. But of course. He would be corrupted by it because it just wants to do Sauron's will. It just wants to return itself to him. So in the end, um, it would just, you know, it would corrupt his desires. He would become evil and he's too powerful. Who's going to stop Gandalf if he goes corrupt? Yeah. With, if he goes dark side with the ring, who's going to stop him? 
Not Frodo. Not Frodo, that's for sure. Um, Frodo immediately is like, oh, okay, so where do you want me to take it? And he's like, well, let's go to Bree. And Frodo's like, okay. And like within a surprisingly, a shockingly small amount of time, like Frodo is packed up. He's got some. He's got a bag. He's got some food. He's ready to roll out. Um, and Gandalf, of course, is you know kind of makes a comment on this, something to the extent of like you can get to know all of Hobbit's ways within a month, but and you know even over a hundred years they'll still surprise you with their behavior because he mm-hmm. just didn't expect Frodo to be like to to do this to have this kind of backbone. Um, yeah, he's um he's he's showing some real spirit here. Um, he's willing to really just do the right thing, but he's just a sweet little guy here. Um. Sweet little poor Frodo, you know he's gonna be he's gonna be put through it, and um, this is just when I was rewatching it this most recent time, just seeing him, uh, there eager to help, eager to do whatever he needs to do, and just being like, damn it, damn it, Frodo, you poor little boy, you had no idea, um, but yeah, he's just he's he's packed up, he's ready to go. Um, but before they leave, they hear somebody eavesdropping outside, uh, and it's I ain't our, been dropping no eaves. I ain't been dropping no eaves, eaves. Uh, and it's Samwise, um, who is listening outside the door. He hasn't learned, he hasn't heard anything, just some stuff about the ring and about, uh, you know, one so power. literally everything. He heard literally yeah. everything. Uh, and Gandalf quickly realizes like, oh, this is, this is fortuitous. Like these, these two together will go, will have a much more, uh, much bigger shot at, at, at mm-hmm. surviving. Then Frodo just out on his own in the wilderness. It's like, okay, now bring, bring along, um, <laughs> bring along Sam who says he's, he was gardening yeah. <laughs> uh, in the middle of the night. Uh, I love it. I love Sam. Uh, I think Sam is uh, a lot of, I don't, I don't want to talk Sam up too much, but he's probably my favorite character. I uh, think he's a lot of people's favorite character. Um, and yeah, I, it's, it's just great to see them, you know, put together like this. And Sam's immediate loyalty to Frodo. Um, he, you know, he goes from just, the, he's out drinking with Frodo too. He doesn't know anything about this ring or Bilbo yeah. or wherever he's gone out. You know, it's all a mystery to him. Frodo um, needs some help but, and I'm going to help. Like, that's it. That's, that's but, all, yeah. all Literally I the to next hear. scene, it's, it's them at dawn. First we get to see this gorgeous silhouette. Oh my God. I had, oh, oh, I, I, how did they even capture that? Like they must've drugged people. Like they must've just been waiting up all night to grab that because that looks all fucking like natural and amazing. It's just yeah. beautiful. And they um, just, they just head out and, yep. um, they are told to go to Bree, the city of Bree, or the town of Bree, um, and they will meet Gandalf at the Prancing Pony in a few days. That's another inn. Uh, meanwhile, Gandalf plans to go and see his old friend uh, Saruman. Not, Saruman the White. He's another not wizard. Sauron, not Sauron. <laughs> Saruman. Saruman. Yeah, um, this is like supernatural in the Jodies <laughs> all dude. over again. <laughs> and I tell you, when we went to, um, I had to. Uh, I'm, like, I'm my nephew's uh, godfather. Now, I'm not exactly a religious person, but, you know, my sister asked me to do it. So I was like, okay. Um, and before we could go to the baptism or any of that stuff, they made me go to a class. Yes. <laughs> like the night mm-hmm. before. And they, the priest, it was, it was kind of a weird situation. But he was asking, like, trivia questions. Uh, and I was able to answer a few of them just from, like, random shit that I learned from Supernatural. But then there's, um, there's Solomon from the yep. Bible. Mm-hmm. And I kept pronouncing it like Saluman. Uh, and the priest kept being like, what are you saying? What is that what word? Why everybody in this it? room who are just looking at me like, what is this guy saying? And then um, I'm there with my sister. And she's like, it's Solomon. Why are you saying it like that? I'm like, Saluman. What do you mean? I'm like, oh, sorry. Oh. I was pronouncing it like Saruman from the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Whoops. My bad, Padre. Um, so they split up. Uh, they split up. We, they, they, we get some tribal stuff for a while. Uh, and then Sam and uh, Frodo set up shop. Sam's doing a little cooking, meat, cook, just frying up some meat. 
Um, we get this cute little scene of Sam like taking going the furthest he's ever been from home. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Sorry. it's just to show how how inexperienced they are, um, how small their lives have been, and they're setting off. Even just going like basically leaving the town, the city limits is like a big deal sure. for Sam. And uh, he's about to travel across the entire world. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna joke about this a little bit later, but like when they get to, when they do this, and they like they get to, um, y- you know, like Brie or whatever, and they find that the hotel. The, like I mm. think I literally drive farther to the grocery store once a week. Than you they're, you they're probably traveling. do. Yeah, you probably do. <laughs> it's very tiny distances. Um, uh-huh. but when they're when they're cooking, they hear a noise and they realize that um, they're wood elves in the vicinity, mm. and they run over and they witness this elven procession. Who is going? Who are all going to the harbor uh, beyond the White Towers, and they're leaving Middle Earth behind for the Gray Warden. Uh, Autumn really wants you to spill whatever lore you got on the Gray Warden right now and talk about so these elves. So it's um, Valinor um, is the name of the place, the Gray Havens, the place beyond whatever. Um, I guess the best way to put it is it's like heaven. It's just like Valinor is like going to heaven, but you don't. It's but it's also like a physical place that exists in the world kind of like you don't die to go there you get on a ship and you sail there um it's you know it's the promised land it's the the undying land of the elves um here in in middle earth um they you know they age and and the elves are immortal but you know the death death comes you know you can die you can die in middle earth um but i think anybody who goes to valinor um on one of these white ships they go there for eternity for imit- immortality for eternity but like in a good way not in a like you know tortured goth vampire kind of way. We're like, oh, I'm, I'm incursed to live forever. Like no, you just go there and everything is beautiful and magical oh. uh, for all existence. Like it's um, a place where I, there's and, just infinite like new episodes of your favorite TV show. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Um, and I'm sure somebody could give like a more specific answer. Maybe I I can look into it. What, I can look into it for the next what, one. What um why if it's so perfect, why hang out in Middle Earth? Was my question. Like that is a great question. Why I think like, the if, elves if you were could just trying take a to ship, like. The elves were trying to like help shape the world and mm-hmm. fight against these evil forces. Like you know, there was a lot going on. Okay, there was a lot going on. I w- I will look into it so that by the next episode I can provide some answers. Okay, for you. I, I will give you homework. Um, yes, excellent. Hey, if it's Lord of the Rings homework, I will do it all day. <laughs> Meanwhile, Gandalf is racing to the tower where Sauron lives. Uh, this is Isengard, and this is so yeah. fucking cool. Uh, just yes. this whole idea of a giant wizard tower. I love it. Um, they do these landscape shots just so amazing where you see a character, you know, looking out over a distance at, at, at where they're about to go. It's so fucking cool. Um, it, like, so many shots from this movie are just, like, fucking screensaver, like, wallpaper. Seriously. <laughs> seriously. Ammo. Um, Sorbonne, yeah, Gandalf rides up he, to see Christopher Lee, the biggest Tolkien fan on the planet. Um, he, yeah, so he, he, he's Sar- Saruman the White. Um, he kind of welcomes Gandalf and Gandalf immediately, he fully, fully trusts Saruman. It's his trusted, wise old friend immediately tells him everything that we've learned so far in the movie. Um, and the first thing <laughs> Saruman does is basically be like, Gandalf, you have been you, too baked to notice. This. You, you were love too getting high. high. With those. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the pipe weed was so distracting that you didn't see the one ring. Are you the fucking serious? Fucking ring, dude. It was the ring. Like, why didn't you check it the first time you saw it was a ring? Like, I would like if I saw a magic ring, I would check it every single time. Like, no, no matter. Gandalf's what. like he was. Uh, it was. Uh, it was in Bilbo's pocket. <laughs> Um, I don't know. <laughs> That's the only thing it was keeping him from seeing it. They go into Saruman's like hangout, and Saruman is like, uh, "Yeah, um, 
Sauron doesn't have a body yet, but he is mad powerful. Like he's super, yeah. super powerful. He's he's already Sauron. Sauron says it's already too late. Yes, Sauron has has already come back too powerful for us to to. It's it's not a fight anymore. Um, he's not back in physical form, but he is back in spirit. Um, and then he speaks of the great lidless eye wreathed in flame that watches all from his fortress in Mordor. Yes, which they they do a physical manifestation of in the movie. To, I think to great effect because if you didn't have some sort of like physical image to set to Sauron, it would be just this void of yeah, an enemy. Yeah. You know, we need to be able to see something, and I think Sauron works really well for that too. Just because you you're like, okay, he's not the big bad, but he's a bad guy. Yeah. Sorry, spoilers. Sar- Saruman's about to turn. <laughs> We're not. I don't think we. I guess we should have mentioned that, but like, you shouldn't be listening to this and not having watched Lord of the Rings. <laughs> like, if you yeah, care about yeah. spoilers, I don't know why you would be doing that, and also why you haven't watched the movie in the last twenty years. You should. You should do yeah, that do first. Go <laughs> watch it. Um, um, but yes, uh, Saruman says that he is. He's like Gandalf's. Like, how do you even know all this? Uh, Saruman reveals that he has uh, one of the. Uh, Palantir, which is like a, it's a crystal ball. It's essentially, it's a, it's a crystal ball orb. that allows you to see. He's been things. pondering the orb. orb, Chris. Come on, he's been pondering up, an orb. Catch up on your memes. So, Saruman's been pondering this orb, but Gandalf's like, careful when you ponder the orb. You don't know who's pondering back. The orb um, might ponder back. <laughs> the orb might ponder back, um, which is not something Saruman. But yeah, he's he's essentially like, don't look into that. We don't know where all of the the Palantirs are. You don't know who could be watching. So anything that you see, somebody else could see. Somebody can see what you're doing. Like, um, it's it's not great to be to be messing with this. And it slowly comes to light as they continue to talk that uh, Sauron is, in fact, in the employ of Sauron. He is he is a yes. bad guy. Um, and it's, so you know their names are similar, but they work together. So at least for us, it's helpful. Yeah. Um, and as Gandalf is like, okay, well, I don't I don't dig this part anymore. I'm going to leave. Uh, Sauron starts closing the doors, and then they get into a wizard battle. Um, which is maybe the lamest thing in this movie. Yeah, it's um, it's it's so lame. I love it so much. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm saying like, that with a lot of affection. Like it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, a and, lot and it, of affection. It's a wizard fight, but they don't like shoot lightning bolts or whatever. Peter Jackson just doesn't didn't like that kind of thing. He didn't want them shooting magical light at each other or whatever. Uh, but they have a wizard fight, so they had to show something. Yeah. Uh, and so it's a lot of them like thrusting their staffs and and just them getting slammed against walls and slammed on the ground gandalf does like uh 720 um gets spun all around mm-hmm. and slammed mm-hmm. against walls and thrown up to the ceiling and um so you know it is a battle battle of magical power and uh it's it's quite silly to look at because these old guys just get really slammed against the marble man um you get the, that crack of bone every time somebody hits something uh, every single robes flailing everywhere every single hit i'm like well man that's not gonna be i mean that's a hip replacement for sure like they're gonna, they're gonna need <laughs> to go to the, the very, doctor the very comic like from like off screen as they get close like, <laughs> um i will say that when it towards the ending Jess just gave me the funniest look to it. <laughs> That's what happens when you record in the room with somebody. At the end, when uh, Gandalf loses his staff and uh, Sauron picks it up uh, and spins him around and then shoots him through the sky into his, uh, like, because the cool thing about this wizard tower is that it's hollow. Like, it just goes up for a long, long time. Yeah. Very, very cool wizard tower. I love it. Um, You know, Isengard is, is, uh, I believe it's one of the two towers. Yeah. Uh, and that's very cool. Uh, and then we go from here, uh, Gandalf having been beaten to over to Sam, who has just briefly lost Frodo in some cornfields. Uh, he was stressed as fuck about it. He was, uh, I mean, 10 seconds. Cause that it, it, we, Gandalf told him like, do not lose Frodo. Keep him. Don't keep you him. lose him. Yeah, yeah. Samwise Gamgee. And I don't mean to. 
he assures Frodo. Uh, so yeah, they, right from the get go, he's been given a task, and he's like, "I'm not I'm letting gonna, my boy go. Yeah, I'm, I'm, gonna a, I'm gonna go watch out for him." Um, um, they are found quickly by Pepin and Miri, uh, who are stealing some crops. Pepin and Miri, excuse me. What did I say? Merry and Pippin. Merry and Pippin. Okay, what did I say? <laughs> I wrote. I wrote in my notes. I wrote Pepin and Mirin, that, which is the Chinese <laughs> sauce used for cooking. So. Just saying, the edibles Pep- are probably kicking in about this. No, no, time. no, Pepin and Mirren. Um, <laughs> that's I actually love that. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, Pepin and Mirren crash into them, and uh, they we realize very quickly that these two have just stolen crops from Farmer Maggot, who's just this dude who they're apparently just robbing of his crops all the time because they're just mischievous guys, you know. They're just um, they're ne'er do wells. Uh, they run away, and as yeah, as Sam is scolding them, they see the scythe coming over the corn stalks, and like, oh shit! So they all gotta run away. Um, and of course, you know, the camera zooms out out of the cornfield, and we see they're right at the edge of a cliff, and they all go immediately tumbling off the cliff. Of course, um, they they all land um, limbs akimbo on top of one another. Uh, and then, great use of the word akimbo. Thank you. They then they see mushrooms, and then everybody starts looking for mushrooms. Uh, and this is when Frodo starts realizing, like. Uh oh, something is about to happen. We get the cool shot of the weird, yeah, yeah, the weird zoom, the weird zoom thing. The it looks like the forest is going dark. Uh, Frodo shouts, and they all hide. Um, and then this rider, this black rider, comes like right next to them and starts like sniffing. And as he like leans down, like you can see bugs and stuff coming out of the dirt. Yeah, Uh, as he touches the earth, the bugs flee from the earth from their dark holes, like spiders and, and centipedes just fleeing. Uh, from from the touch of this rider, Frodo looks up and we can see like the horse, uh, like has like horse nails like just through his feet, it's all bleeding. Um, do I do I do I ask my ring wraith questions here or when we get when we're a little Hit bit me. later? What, what do you want to know? What do you want to know? What the horse do? Um, I don't know. You know, I they do talk about the horses in the books a lot because I'm just and I because like, I think they are some sort of like weird undead c- creature. Um, I'm just saying, like if 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 the if the king who had the ring. You know, sure. and and, subs- and subsumed himself to the ring. Just happened to be riding Bill the Pony that day, and now Bill oh. the Pony is the ring wraith horse. Like, and he's all bloody, and you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not Bill the Pony's fault. Bill the Pony didn't. No, that's do anything. not Bill the Pony's fault. You're right. I bet they're they're yeah. I'll I, I maybe that's more homework for me. Right. Find out what's going Look, on. Look, I hope I hope you have a notepad I, right next to you right now. Yeah, <laughs> keep it up. I with know they all have this task. <laughs> they have the fell beasts, which are like the dragon things, like the wyverns um, that we see later. Yeah, and uh, I think. The horses could be something like that. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to find out. That's more homework for more homework for Chris. Um, yeah, this is this is the shot. I would imagine this was probably as an 11 year old very terrifying. Like just the idea. Oh yeah. Of the, these, oh yeah. Because all you've seen of the Hobbit so far, like they're cute, they're adorable, they're you know they're and they're your friends immediately, right? Like they're just yeah. they're, they're your size. Well, they're most 11 year old people. They're year most yeah, the size, size of most 11 year olds. And um, um, it's it's there's there's this thing at odds because. As an eleven-year-old, the ringwraiths are like sick as fuck. Oh yeah, like they're wearing these spooky dark cloaks with their mailed hands and their their spooky cool swords, and they're on their like these things are look cool, but also they make really weird screeching sounds, and they're very spooky and scary. Um, and it is very intense because uh, again, there's somebody playing out in the woods all the time when I was a kid. You know, I could imagine like we, you know, stumbling across one of or something. Guys. Yeah, and it's just like something like you can just put yourself in that situation so easily. So it is this stuff was kind of scary when I was young.
this is going to be the ending of where we release this to the public. So, uh, like, this is probably be like the first half of this episode. If you like more, patreon.com slash monster of the week. Uh, and if you're a patron, just keep listening. It'll be here right, right when you get back. Great idea. Great idea. Now go pee. Oh, okay, I'll be right. I'll be right back. <laughs>